0: Hello everyone. We're here again on the brown couches in the office. I've got a a green a green glass with some water in it. It's wonderful. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> um, it's a nice sunny day today. We've had some some super cold days of late, but it's a nice nice sunny. I think it's going to be warm today. Uh, day and uh, last time, Rob, we were talking about the triangle. The we first ball. Two episodes ago, we spoke about the body and and anxiety and what it does to to the body and and then we last time we spoke about the mind. Are you wanting to continue with that?
1: Yes, Stu, um, I am. Uh, very important again, the mind such a powerful uh, aspect of why we do the things we do, why we say the things we we say, um, and so often we don't know <laughs> because the the impulses the The thoughts, the assumptions uh, that we carry um, are largely unexplored, unexamined. Um, But anxiety situations that cause us problems, uh, those things that we want to avoid, those are good opportunities, if you like, uh, good spaces to have a look and say, hang on a minute, what's going on? Why does this situation elicit such strong anxiety in me? And take the time with our kids to have a look and help them understand themselves better
0: So Rob one, one thing that comes to mind is uh, that's helped me and I don't do it enough but is to write down what's going on in my mind I know that you've mentioned in the past for maybe for a young child you know a child who can't write yet is to draw maybe what's going on are those things that you would you would suggest or am I taking us off in, a, in another whole direction here?
1: No, Stu, um, uh, it's true. I think to to sit with a piece of paper, uh, if, if, if you're the right kind of age, and you're able to do that, um, is a very, very good thing to do. So I think what it, what it means is a person's going to stop, they're going to think, they're going to go inside themselves, and they're going to start to write on a page why, what's going on, try to pin down. And what it does is it, I think it, it it disciplines us or, or forces us really to to find words, so that's a good thing. And obviously, conversation will do the same. Um, we've now got to bring it into the verbal, um, something that we can actually um, understand and reflect on in that kind of of conscious aware way. And then with kids, for sure, drawing pictures um, I think is a very good way for them to to capture and convey the sorts of things that they are are scared of, the sorts of things that they imagine could go wrong. Um, now let me say that very often kids and teens, um, they need a bit of prompting, a bit of encouragement to go this route. And that's because once people start to talk about their fears, um, they feel the feelings. So the moment that I start to say what's scary, well, hey presto. I'm feeling scared, and I'm feeling horrible, so there is that kind of reluctance, and be aware of that as parents, that when a child starts to speak about the heart of the matter, you'll see that kind of emotional response. um it's a tender moment, and that's why I said uh, an episode or so ago, I wait until a child is, is able to talk with me. I'm not going to talk with him about these things, you know, in the heat of the moment. Uh, a while back he spoke about you've got five minutes to get to school and your child is upset. That's not really the time, unless we've had the conversation before and we've already got the words out, we know, we understand. But that's not the time for that, this kind of conversation. But yes, so what it does when we talk with our kids this way is it elicits emotion and kids may not want to go there. But I do, and I do it obviously as gently and patiently as I need to, um, because it's a form of exposure therapy. Exposure therapy being the idea that when we expose ourselves to things that we imagine are going to be very scary, when we actually face up to those things, we start to develop a tolerance for them. We start to find our breath in the scary spaces. Now this is the beauty really of a conversation like this. That when we as parents gently and lovingly, patiently, creatively open up this ghastly, almost no-go zone, in the mind and put it into words when it becomes understood what we're also doing is we're helping our child with us literally find his or her breath in that space can you see it so as they talk with us they start to tear up they may even start to cry um, as we get to you know the heart of things and yet we talk with them we hold them we, uh, we empathize um, through verbal and through nonverbal, you know, just uh, the sighs, the, uh, the murmurings, and they start to get their breath in that moment. So for me, it's a beautiful thing, and it really can happen as long as we aren't in a rush to get past worry logic. So what I'm doing then is um, I'm saying to a child, what's, what's, what's so scary about that? What's so scary about that? And of course, it's not a dismissing question. I'm not saying, what's so scary about that? Not that, of course. But it is a, It is genuine curiosity. What about that is so scary? I'm trying to understand. And they may well volunteer something to me. And then what I do with that is I, is I hold it, get a feeling for the impact of that, and ask again, well, what's so scary about that? Let me give you an example. Let's say, for instance, a child says, "Well, I'm, you know, uh, I've got to give a talk tomorrow. I'm not giving it. Phone Mrs. Jenkins. Tell her I won't be at school. There's no ways." You say, "Hang on a minute. <laughs> I think this thing is making you very scared. I think that you are, you know, you, you're really afraid of giving this talk." Tears. Yes, I am, sweetheart, honey. Why? What is it that's so scary about this talk? Oh, well, you know, all kinds of evasions, all kinds of dismissals. Maybe I don't know, you know. Stay with it. Um, Stay with it. Let her settle down again. But really, you know, what is so scary about it? Uh, What is it that you imagine going into the future, going into the fantasy? And maybe she'll say, well, you know, Mrs. Jenkins will be angry or she won't like it. Oh, Okay, if that's what she volunteers, what's so bad about that? If Mrs. Jenkins is angry, what's bad about that? Oh well, she'll be cross with me, and you know she'll she'll yell. Oh, that's that's not good. That's really, really not good. I mean, that sounds terrible, and she's got a loud voice. I've heard her. And what's so bad about that? So you see what I'm doing? I'm drilling down, and she might start to get to something where I'll feel bad. I'll feel wrong. I feel like I've failed. I mean, I might give her these words because I might be talking to a little girl. But what we're doing is we are dropping down, if you like, um, to the heart of the matter. So uh, what anxiety does is very, very rapidly throws up, oftentimes beyond our awareness, a kind of a fantasy or imagination of something like this. An angry, scowling Mrs. Jenkins, you know. Uh, standing, towering over this goal, you know, maybe uh, hands at the hips, looking down, that wasn't good, you know, whatever it might be. So we're getting that that worst case scenario and putting it into words. But that worst case scenario is being mapped out with me, her dad, someone who loves her and um, who knows her very well. So that's really what I'm looking to do.
0: I think the thing is that I think about in with all of that is that, Again, if I think of how I grew up, uh, you're so right in saying that these emotions, these um, these things are... You, s- you saw them as bad. You know, bad that you're feeling bad. <laughs> you shouldn't feel bad. And I think one of the most powerful things for me is... I, I think of the difficult, the things that I'm scared of, the things that I've been scared of. I often wanted it just all to go away. You know, just, just these feelings. Okay, how, what can I do to make these feelings go away? And that obviously never helped me, Uh, whereas when I started to just allow those feelings to be there, and to do this for myself, as what you've just described, it began, I mean I'm still on a journey here, but um, it began to help me understand better that the feelings are there. (laughs) They're just there, and and they're not bad and they're not good, they are, and they are part of who I am. And I suppose that's what, I, I, is what you're saying is that having someone who loves you, who cares about you, to help you understand that, especially when you're young, uh, what a gift. Because I didn't have that. And I, again, I don't blame my parents for that. It's just the, the, the phase and the place that they found themselves and they did the best they could with what they had. But, but what a gift to be able to give to our kids at a young age. And I would even go as far as saying, what a better world we would live in if more and more parents were willing to to allow kids to to go through these kinds of processes so that they wouldn't just react without actually knowing what they're reacting to
1: Stu, bang on eh so since we've gone to that level I often feel like you know the opposite of love isn't hate it's fear and we're such a scared bunch (laughs) most of us you know Fear, anxiety, stress, tension, it takes huge chunks of our lives and I think really strangles our ability to be our better selves. And so mapping this out with our kids, helping them to articulate um, those terrors, those, those things that have got them by the throat, taking them down to at least learn how to breathe in what feels like unsurvivable territory. Um, I think we start to find some kind of base for all of us to live our most creative lives, our most loving lives, our most intentional, interactional lives.
0: Yeah, Rob, I know know when we uh, first started talking about doing this, this podcast, and it was one of the things that, that really struck me is that I like to think that I'm becoming a better person as parenting is starting to teach me how to love myself more, how to love others more. And, um, and I think especially through these kinds of processes is, is just learning about myself and, and who I am and what's going on inside of me and, and how to handle all of that better and think about it better.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Stu. And back to your, your practice of, of taking the time when you notice that you're feeling ghastly, when you realize that you're anxious which is always an important first step, realizing that we're anxious, giving it a name, and then finding the moment where you can, with a pen and a a piece of paper, start to try and understand yourself. So the idea would be, if you and I can't do it, then we can't help our kids do this. So we've got to do the hard yards first. We've got to learn how to go into these, uh, these uncharted spaces so that we can help our kids to do the same.
0: So one final thought, Rob, from me on that is that I wonder, you know, if I think of relationships and I think of the complexity of of relationships, and we all have complexity in different relationships. Maybe it's in our in our marriage, maybe it's with friends, maybe it's with family. We were just talking about um, some of that earlier. I think so much of it is is well, certainly. Again, if I look at myself, um, so much of it is not having the skills and the the help to be able to process what's going on with me first and and that then means that we often are scared, I think, to actually have the conversations that make us tear up and make us more anxious maybe uh, because we're worried about what it's gonna it's just gonna make it worse for me. And when we are brave enough to actually enter those spaces and possibly we need to do it for ourselves first with trusted people, But when we're brave enough to enter those spaces, uh, things do get better. They definitely do. They might not initially feel like it, but they definitely get better, I think.
1: Yes, Stu. And so maybe uh, to wrap up from my side, you made me think of a book. I've never read it to do the book justice, but it's got a great title. And it says something along the lines of, It's never too late to have a happy childhood. And I think one of the things that helps us to almost reconfigure what we went through is as parents, we get to kind of do a do-over. So we've got to kind of go back, make sense of, you know, the inner child in all of us, make sense of our own vulnerabilities, our own, you know, uh, difficult emotions. Um, I think there is a lot of, if you like, almost reparenting that goes on, because in as much we, as we work with our kids, we work with ourselves all the time, and I do think that fathering is one of the few things that's actually made me grow up just a notch or two. <laughs> Still got a way to go, but fathering would be it. If I had to pick any of the life projects that's made me you know, up my game, it would be um, this
0: this uh, sacred task of parenting. So let let's all think about whether we can take a bit of a moment, maybe once a day, and just write down what's going on inside of us, especially in those moments maybe where where our breath gets a bit faster or where we're feeling a little bit down maybe. Thanks everyone.